Hey Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Hey everyone, and welcome back to A Little Better. We are so glad that you're with us, whether you're watching or listening. Thank you for jumping in for another week. You guys are so faithful. The the few, the proud, the listeners, <laughs> we're grateful. And this week's going to be very special and unique because rather than having uh, me, Aaron, and Drew talking together, instead we're going to have another Aaron on this podcast. We've had Aaron Wagner, and her husband, Aaron Wagner, was mentioned. Now Aaron Hickson, and now Aaron Lineman. So all of the Aarons <laughs> in Drew Karshner's life have finally come onto this podcast. So welcome, Dr. Aaron Lineman. Thanks for taking some time to, to chat with us. Yep, thanks for having me. So um, if, if anyone was a part of our services this weekend, you would have heard um, Aaron, her husband, Ben, um, telling their story um, along with the story of their daughter, Gracie. And so we thought rather than having Drew and I drone on about whatever we were going to drone on about, why not have uh, the, the, the best part of our services, which was getting to hear um, Ben and Aaron share, um, have them on. So we, you know, I've got a bunch of questions, Aaron, related to your guys' story. But before we get there, let's set the scene a little bit. I feel like we met in the fall of 2013. You and Ben are youth group leaders and Lauren and I come in as small children and you guys were willing to be small group leaders with us, which I'm still grateful for. <laughs> it was a good time. How long have you guys been going to Northridge? Remind me all those details. Um, we have been going to Northridge over 10 years now. I don't know exactly the number of years, but over 10 years now. Um, yeah, started when David Whiting was pastor and then we were in youth group for about, I don't know, three years before you guys showed up. And I just remember being excited because you guys just brought a freshness and an energy to youth group. And, um, but I did remember, this is a funny story. I remember going to your house at one point and I saw an ornament that had like a picture of you from like the year I graduated from high school and you were like a baby. And I was like, what is this? I'm getting old. So I do remember like thinking that that was a little bit frightening. That that is funny. I remember meeting you guys and being, I don't know if intimidated is the right word, but at least like, oh shoot. Because it was like, yeah, this is Dr. Aaron Lineman. She's a doctor in the area. And then Ben, he's a former youth pastor. And I was like, oh my goodness, what are we doing? I've never taken a single youth ministry class. How are we, get, how did we get here? Uh, and then you realize though, that we really, that doesn't mean anything. So <laughs> No, but it was great. You guys have always been a huge encouragement to us. And I think Ben, I mean, I loved having him around, you know, doing student ministry because it was like, if there was ever a time where, you know, I'm like looking for somebody else to speak to fill the spot or whatever, it was like, I, I know exactly that he will be fine. This is what he did for a living while you were in med school, while you were in med school or what, what was the yeah, timeline? For, yeah. For four years while I was in med school, in order that we weren't like taking loans out for everything, he did four years of being a youth pastor right outside of Oneida in Cheryl, New York. Um, and yeah, it was just an interesting time, but Ben's funny because he's like such a quiet guy, but he's got like all this theology going through his head. So I know. An interesting guy. Yeah. And he's now a music teacher in the Rochester city school district, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He teaches at Edison tech and um, yeah, he really loves that job. Not so much virtually, but when he does the choir 
um, when they're actually doing live school. He loves that. And I love it too, because he usually, when he was doing his like um, student teaching, he was um, in a suburban school district. And let me just tell you that the concerts are way better where he is now. More exciting, more fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, again, another thing, like a, a fun quirk about Ben is just that, like, again, this kind of quiet, uh, a stern looking guy who then is like this awesome musician, former youth pastor. And it's just yeah. like, dude, there's layers. You got to get to know there Ben. Are. He's, not, he's like an onion. <laughs> That's what I always liked about him. <laughs> that's cool and you guys knew each other like you know growing up as kids right you started dating um, like in high school or something yeah when I was si- when I was 16 he was 17 he was really like the first person that I actually dated and then I just didn't get tired of him so <laughs> I was like I'll, I'll stick with you you're nice <laughs> you didn't and that means you haven't or you did at some point but uh, later <laughs> later in the is the dating thing <laughs> oh man no just, and just yeah. He's awesome. And he's, um, you guys now have three kids. We've, I guess Eli had, was born. Yeah. By the time we, maybe mm-hmm. you were, you weren't pregnant with Eli, were you? Now I'm just like making things up, but. No, no, he was just, I think he was very little, very little on his man. Cool. And of course you're Aaron and Ben and my brother's name is Ben. So it has always been a confusing thing when I hear about Aaron and Ben, cause I'm, I'm always thinking of my brother, but anyway, enough of the, enough of the background people now, I think have a sense of who you are. Thanks again for, for coming on because I think that there's so much that one single video, even I think it was maybe, you know, six or seven or eight minutes long, but even that doesn't convey all of your guys' story. So um, let's just get some bigger picture details. Um, Grace is your third child, and uh, I, I don't know that I caught the name of her condition. I just wanted to get some kind of you know big picture of how this landed in your guys' life. Yeah, she had, um, so it's called an intraventricular hemorrhage. It's actually usually something that only happens to premature infants. So a lot of people, if they had a baby and that baby spent any time in the NICU, a lot of those babies will end up having a thing called an intraventricular hemorrhage. But um, yeah, she had it when she was inside of me and that is exceedingly rare. And they actually have no idea why she had it. Usually it's just prematurity of the blood vessels in the brain that surround the big empty area, your ventricles. Um, and so those are like premature vessels and they start bleeding like crazy, but they don't know why she had a brain bleed inside of me. But ultimately what it led to is when, when you're a little baby and you have all that bleeding in your brain, the body actually absorbs that brain tissue. So she's left with like just a very thin rim of brain tissue around the one side of her brain and then just empty space after that. So yeah, a lot of people may actually know about an intraventricular hemorrhage if they've had NICU babies. Okay. Wow. Um, and as you mentioned in the video, you're a physician, so you're in a family medicine practice, correct? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm in a family medicine practice. I see, you know, mostly outpatient stuff, kids of all ages, adults. Um, and then I deliver babies at Highland Hospital and see pediatric patients like our newborns that are born at Highland. I'll go in and I'll see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, <laughs> that's another like youth group thing that would be funny from time to time. It's like, yeah, hey, I'm not going to be able to be there tonight for a youth group or whatever. And it's like, yeah, well, hey, what's going on? And you're like, oh, well, I'm delivering a baby. It's yeah. just like, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, most people are like, oh, there's a game on or something. Like, no, I, I'm bringing yeah, a human into the world. Definitely bringing a new human into the world. It's really the best part of medicine, even though it's extremely frightening sometimes because you're just like, oh my goodness, it's like so spiritual. You like bring a new soul into the world. Every time I'm in that delivery room, I'm thinking about like, 
they hope like this baby will go to somebody who really loves them and raises them to know the Lord, but it's not always the case, but it's just a very spiritual experience. Yeah. Well, I would be thinking about what am I doing right now? <laughs> I would be thinking about panic the whole time, but I guess that's the difference in a lot of schooling and experience, but <laughs> <laughs> there's some moments of panic. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, anyway. So, okay. That gives us a little bit more, you know, background or context. Um, and then is there anything that you feel like when it came to the filming process that you and Ben shared there in your home that didn't make the video or that you felt like would give us context as we were listening? Um, Cause I mean, there's always editing that goes on. So I'm sure that it's like, Oh, is that what made the video? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, one of the things that I had been thinking a lot about is um, one of the things actually that Drew ended up saying in the sermon. And it was that whole verse about, um, God's power being made perfect in weakness. Mm. I think a lot of the things that I ended up talking about and think a lot about Gracie is like when you first get devastating news about your child. Um, I think all of us have like, you know, when you get pregnant, you have like dreams and goals and this is what my child is going to be. And this is how they're going to be and what I'm going to love. And it, it ends up becoming like almost this very like selfish kind of, idea about like why you're having children Mm -hmm. and then when you're faced with like the news of like your child having a very significant disability and you're not sure like are they going to contribute any of those things that I originally thought I was having children for you just realize actually that um, God's purpose in having children is not so that you get joy and pride and satisfaction out of children, although that's like a blessing that he allows you to have. Um, But his purpose is really to bring him glory. And he will do that in whatever way he has determined is going to bring him the most glory. So I think um, just the thing that I really learned through her life is that God actually loves weakness. Um, and that's actually when he can show how powerful he is. Um, and what I saw is something that was like, oh my goodness, this child's going to have a disability and it's going to take so much more work. And like, what if she can't provide the love that I want her to give me and all that kind of stuff. He was really like, no, like Aaron, you're like, you've messed up the whole idea behind why I am giving you Gracie. And I'm actually going to show my strength through her weaknesses. Hmm. Um, is really like the thing that I feel like I have at the end of her three years, I've really come to, especially because she literally has physical weakness on the one side of her body. So it's like so clear that God is saying like in her weakness, I am going to be her strength. Right. This is not some metaphysical weakness about like this esoteric concept. It's like no straight up muscular weakness. (laughs) Yeah, like weakness. And it's really interesting. If you look throughout the Bible, there's like so many passages of scripture about physical weakness. And I think sometimes we use that as like, you know, I'm not a very strong person. No, but like God is actually showing himself through physical weakness weakness, Mm. um, which I just, after having a child who has a disability, it just was like so much more clear to me, even like in sermons about like Moses, um, Moses had like a speech weakness, you know, a physical disability that he thought that God wasn't going to be able to use him because of that 
speech problem. And dad was like, like, no, Moses, like, that's exactly how I'm going to show my power is through that physical weakness. So. And, and I think, you know, so much of what you said is amazing. The, the, the prevalence of physical weakness in a culture without advanced medicine would have been so much more common. And the, the, the more we go with the advancement of medicine, which I mean, March on science, we're all about that. That's totally great. But the more that we are able to eliminate and identify and strengthen physical weakness, the less accustomed we are, especially in modern Western America to weakness being acceptable in any way. Like, so, you know, it's, it's an unusual thing for someone to have a, you know, long lifelong significant physical weakness. And I think even the same thing with kids, like when we're never confronted with weakness, when, when often the cases, praise the Lord, we have healthy, happy kids who are able to fulfill all of the ultimately idolatrous ends that we had for their existence about my own happiness, my own success status, etc. Um, we had all these goals for them. And when they're able to achieve them, because you know, God affords us opportunities for those kids to do that. Um, then we, that idol goes unchallenged in our life because ultimately basically just things worked out (laughs) and, and that then, then we are never confronted with having to even, you know, ask questions, deep questions about our weakness and who is God really to us when things don't go right, because we have a world where so often things go right. And so it's, it's only when he we're confronted with unavoidable weakness that we have to embrace it. Yeah. It's, it is really interesting too. Even like in our, in our culture, we fight against that weakness so desperately. Oh yeah. Um, you know, even things like good things like physical therapy, like if if you have a surgery, you don't want to be weak after that. You go to go to physical therapy or like Mm -hmm. if you like any of those kind of things, even when it comes to like, I just think about it a lot with, um, genetic medicine that is coming about. I talked to a lot of my pregnant women about like, do you want genetic testing? And then the clear message behind that ends up being, if this child has a problem, then do you want to get rid of that weakness? You know, like that ends up being the implied thing because in our culture, it is just fairly standard to think that having weakness is bad. Mm. Um, I feel like I really, you know, I really battled through that because when I found out about her disability and when we were especially thinking about like, maybe she's not going to be able to talk and walk, which miraculously she's able to do all those things. And she is very intelligent and funny. And that's just the blessing that God has given us. But when we were thinking about that weakness, I was like, oh my goodness, this isn't what I signed up for. Like, I didn't have kids to have a kid who has a disability. And then you're like, so it's just so messed up how we end up thinking about that. What's the purpose of um, that? So, and, and, and those are surfaced so immediately. You end up thinking or vocalizing things that you would never feel comfortable thinking or vocalizing unless you were faced with extreme circumstances. And I even read about, I was reading about um, Jacob this morning in, in my Bible time. And I was thinking, you know, he ends up having an encounter with God. He wrestles with God and then has a physical disability, his hip you know, is messed up and he walks with a limp for the whole rest of his life. In other words, an encounter with God, yeah. the first time he does anything right in recorded scripture is results in him having a lifelong disability and him, but he's the father, he's literally Israel, you know, like, so his name has changed to Israel. So like, it's only an after a very substantial physical injury that he actually becomes the person that God wants him to be. So it's all in the context of weakness. Right. And um, even think about like Paul, like Paul, you know, 
he called it his thorn in his flesh, which we don't ultimately know what that was. Maybe some vision problems, maybe whatever. We don't know exactly, but it probably was a physical weakness. Mm-hmm. And he talks all about like pleading with God to get rid of that. But ultimately God said, and that's the context of that verse that like God's going to show his power through weakness. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. And even like the, you know, the boy who was born blind mm-hmm. and then the disciples end up asking Jesus like who sinned his yes. parents, his parents sin and um and then ultimately it's like no this was like to display my power through yeah. this child and me healing that child and so you know I because I struggled I wrestled with that a lot too um it's kind of weird like the way the places that your mind goes but you end up thinking sometimes like you know maybe god is like punishing me yeah. for something that i did or like having a prideful spirit or any of those kind of things and ultimately i don't really think that god works that way although i think he has lessons for us in those particular things so i don't right. think like God was punishing me through giving my daughter. That would be terrible because she's such a blessing to us. Right. But you start to think like, okay, is this, like, what is God trying to like say to me? And maybe it's something. And then ultimately it's like, no, Aaron, this actually has nothing to do with you. Right. Everything to do with me mm. um, displaying my power through your child. Um, and and to, I- to miss the lessons that he would give us related to a prideful spirit or whatever would be a mistake, yeah. certainly. But at yeah. the same time, to to correlate causality because of a sin problem in my life and thus a disability in my daughter's is like, okay, wow, we're, uh, forget all that. <laughs> like God's got something so much bigger than just like my individual sin problems that he's yeah. trying to work out. He's got his own glory. The meta narrative of the world is on yeah. his plate that he's thinking through. But yeah, of course, there's lessons for us individually. Yeah, there, and, and it's ahead. really important not to miss those lessons. Like, I think that I have become less prideful because of the situation that I went through. Um, yeah, because everything that God gives us and every path that he brings us through is ultimately to make us more like Christ, is to make right. us holier and through that process. But um, yeah, I don't think he's like, and Aaron is a sinner. Therefore, I'm going to- Direct correlation between this action and, you know, reaction. So what are some, like for you and Ben, are there some things, I mean, Ben shared some really great things about promises that I loved. You know, it was, it was so balanced for him to talk about, like, you know, he took some time off of school. I mean, during the day, by the way, if you're hearing my child crying right now, that's a thing. But um, <laughs> you're, um, with Ben, he was saying like he had a free period and he was praying through some promises and the promises he was praying through were not promises of health and wealth and, you know, prosperity. They were promises of God's presence, promises of God's desire to bring himself glory, promises um, to work through this situation for our good, you know, those kinds of things. And those are much bigger promises and harder to claim because they don't speak to the specificity of the outcome. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. as a result of God's promise to, you know, heal this one person, now he's promising to heal my daughter, you know, like those things. So I love that he was talking about those kind of promises. Is there anything else from scripture that you guys have been claiming during this time? And before you answer that, yeah. I just want to say no one should listen to this podcast on 2x speed because if Aaron Lineman and Aaron Hicks are the two fastest talkers on planet Earth, they probably think they're already on 2x speed and it's on normal. Speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, cl- uh, promises from scripture and we'll continue to speak at our rapid pace. <laughs> um, actually, so the 
the promise, and I'm going to actually get my Bible because it is what I pray all the time, um, is what um, Drew said about my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness in insults and hardship and persecution and in difficulties for when I am weak, then I am strong. So I think one of the things that we claim over Gracie's life is just God's power. Um, God never said things would be easy, but he said that he would be present with us through those difficult things. And so that's one of the things that we claim. There's also a verse in Isaiah that says, Um, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand Mm -hmm. and Gracie's right hand is weak. So we claim that over her that Mm -hmm. even when your right hand is weak, God has a very powerful right hand. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so we've claimed a lot of those things about just God's presence. I think just the very fact that he is present with us despite our hardships, I think we often pray for, you know, complete healing. Ben and I did pray for complete healing. I actually had um, uh, many people who prayed over me. Um, My uh, husband's uncle is a um, is a missionary and they came one day and they prayed over us for her complete healing. And um, so we prayed for that. And we believe that God could do that because God is an amazing and a powerful God who can perform miracles. And yet at the same time, um, we also had this feeling like even if God chose not to heal our daughter, that he was good and he would be with us through that whole situation. So I think it's an interesting balance to just think about praying over the true promises of God, that he will be present, that he is powerful, that he will always be there. um, And yet also desiring healing. Yeah. And I think, you know, Drew touched a little bit on that on Sunday related to um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, as I was forced to call them growing up in my home, because those were their Israeli names, not their pagan Babylonian names. But anyway, (laughs) I know if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know. But um, so anyway, you know, they said, hey, throw us into the fire we believe that God will save us, but even if he does not, we will still not bow. So, you know, they had no, they had no specific promise to claim about like, God doesn't allow any of the, you know, the Israelites to die in exile. Mm-hmm. Of course he did, you know, and, and many of them did. Many of them never even made it to exile because they were killed in Israel while the Babylonians were, were you know, taking over. Um, so there was no specific promise there, but they, they could very well claim God's presence with them and God's power over fire. Right, And so they were able to say, they were able to hold it in perfect tension. We absolutely, wait, A, we will not capitulate. B, mm-hmm. we will have bold confidence that God will save us. And even if he does not save us, it will not change the reality of who our God is. And that tension is, I think, the, the very thin line between like what you would call prosperity gospel or name it, claim it theology, where you just, you know, say, I want this or I'm believing that God will. And so I just operate on the assumption that he will which, you know, I loved the bold faith claim that Drew had related to, you know, the birth of Joel with, hey, just go buy a crib. You know, his friend said, just go buy a crib. And that's awesome, bold faith. And then also there's the line that we have to keep in mind of, of as long as that's balanced with, and even if he doesn't, 
I still will, you know, that even if idea and Drew articulated that tension well, but I'm sure you guys have to actually live it, not just articulate it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, um, you do want to like claim healing over your daughter. And I think we did claim healing over our daughter, like you will be healed. But what the healing necessarily was, was not necessarily her complete physical healing. Although he did definitely heal her in some ways. Um, what they were telling us she was going to be like is very different than what she actually is today. Right. So I, you know, that's what's so interesting about how God works is like he answered so many of our specific prayers. Like we, I remember actually asking the Lord for her to one be one day be able to tell me that she loved me because that was just like so important to me. So I prayed that over her and he answered that very specific prayer at the same time saying, I'm not going to give her complete restoration. And yet, like he promises in his word that one day, if she puts her faith in Christ, she will have complete physical restoration. So it's not like he didn't answer our healing prayer, right? He said, absolutely, one day I'm going to completely heal Gracie's physical body. I promise that from the very foundation of the world if she believes in Christ. Mm-hmm. But um, I, you know, she's going to still have to go through some physical struggles. And th- so that's what's so interesting about it is I think prayer and asking for healing is about us ha- coming into a relationship with God and saying like, I need you and I want a relationship with you. And I trust that you are a good and powerful and strong God who does miracles. And then what he might end up saying at the end of that is absolutely I am, but I'm not going to provide the specific healing that you've asked for in this situation, Mm -hmm. but he's always faithful to his promises that he's made. And I think in that we were talking a little bit before about Mm -hmm. the, story of David. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask, hoping you brought that up. So I I told Aaron, occasionally I'll start the interview before I hit record and I always regret it because there are good things shared. So I'm glad you're bringing this up. Yeah. So like David, he had sinned with Bathsheba and she got pregnant through that sin. And God told him that basically that child was going to die as a result Mm -hmm. of their sin. And um, David came into God's presence and begged and begged for the um, life of that child. And it even talks about him, like he was like refusing to eat and like all this stuff. He just was like so distraught over this begging and claiming the life of this child before the presence of the Lord. And the Lord basically said, you know, that's not my will for this child. And the child ended up dying. Um, And then what's so great about that is that then as soon as that happened, like David picks himself up and he goes into the temple and he worships the Lord. And I, I really, I had never really thought about that passage before until Gracie, because I remember like begging God for her healing in the beginning, like begging and begging and begging. And then I, that's those passages I just read them over and over again because I was like, oh my goodness, I will pray for the healing and I will cry about her disability and I will sob to my mother and I will sob to my best friend and I'll sob to Ben and I will just, we'll cry over it and we'll pray over it. And then ultimately when he was like, I'm not going to fully heal her, I was like, well, I better pick myself up. 
and start praising him for what he is going to do for, through her life instead of what was ultimately probably just my selfish desire to have a quote unquote perfect child. Yeah. Wow. And the, <laughs> you guys have modeled this incredibly well. I want to thank you for your willingness to be, you know, vulnerable. I'm sure you feel like, oh man, if you just knew, you know, what we were like on a daily basis that you wouldn't feel that we're perfect or whatever. And you guys are certainly not like, look at us people. Um, in any way, but I know, you know, from a distance, even being able to watch you guys live this out and and watching you, you know, live out your faith across other challenges in the, in the years that we've known you, I want to appreciate, I want to say thank you and, and that we appreciate your willingness to share. And I, I almost, I want to like shift a little bit, just kind of as a final thing. And just let's talk about Gracie outside of the context of this. Like, yeah, what do you, what do you love about Gracie having nothing to do with anything? Just like, what's so great about your third daughter? I mean, your third kid, your third, your second daughter, third kid, what do you love about being her mom? Um, yeah, it, it is funny. Cause I think back about some of the stuff that we went through and thinking like, Oh my goodness, like crying about what she's going to be like. And now that she's here, I'm like, Oh my goodness. She's like such a blessing. She is literally the funniest kid that you will ever meet. I just, this is like an example of it. We were walking into um, church the other day and there was a little red Corvette that somebody was driving Uh and she, she walks past the car. She's three. She walks past the car and she goes, Oh mommy, did you see that car? And I was like, yeah, I saw it. She goes, that car is my style. (laughs) what? Like what three-year-old says that kind of stuff? But she just like, she's funny and she knows what she likes and she knows what she wants. And she's very determined about certain things. Like even in her disability, she'll like, she has to wear like an eye patch because one of her eyes turns in. So we're like trying to strengthen up the other eye. And like every morning she's like, did I wear my eye patch yet, mom? And I was like, no, she's like, I'm going to go get that. And she like, gets all the stuff off and sticks that thing on and is like, goes to town. She's just funny about oh. even her things like that. So um, I, it's just been a pleasure. I think you're like first child is like my, our first child, like rule follower, you know, and I always appreciated that because it keeps the rest of them in line. And <laughs> my second is like a total, like, she's just the like typical second child that like did not have the same kind of like rules or discipline as like uh-huh. and like, as sporty and she's just funny. And then like that third kid is like such a joy because like, you don't have that same, like, Oh my goodness, we have to have the perfect child. And then with the second, you realize like it's all out the window. And then with your third, you just like enjoy them. So I think we just like enjoy our child so much more than we ever did. So I just, that I think is God's blessing is just that like, she really is a true, joy to be yeah. around. I, that's my style. <laughs> I am, oh, I'm weak at that. That's hilarious. It's like, I mean, uh, we have a three-year-old in our house right now and I'll just say he's not talking about any cars being his style. So um, no surprise. He's not nearly as funny as your kids are. <laughs> and by the way, <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a third, I'm a third child. So I appreciate everything you said about third children. They are amazing. You know, clearly the best, you know, occasionally my mom will listen to the podcast. So mom, you can definitely agree with this. I'm the best. Second where, children. where are you? You're a second born. I'm a second born. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where's Ben in the birth order? Oh, he's a first. Absolutely. Okay. That makes, that makes some sense. That makes some sense. I can see some, I can see some Ben in Eli. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. 
I love it. Well, hey, you know what? We could, we, meaning you and I in particular, could talk about this forever. Um, mostly because I think we could talk about literally anything forever, <laughs> but we'll wrap it up. And I just want to say again, thank you for your time, not only today, but um, in the recording process and being willing to share. In some ways, it's a, it's not only incredibly personal to allow your story to be told like that, it's also um, a vulnerable thing when you don't even know how the story is going to necessarily be used on a Sunday morning and you walk in like, I hope this you know is right or whatever. So thank you. I know there's a lot of intimidation that goes along with it. Our church is grateful. People will benefit. And I think that you taking the time to do this podcast will also help people understand the humanity of it as well. Um, if people have extra questions, is there a way that might be like, okay for them to reach out to you guys, you know, especially parents walking through a similar situation? Yeah, yeah, I, I would love it. And I think that part of my reason for wanting to share Gracie's story is because I feel like it's really what God called me to do specifically for other parents who may have children who have disabilities mm-hmm. or, or are getting a diagnosis for the first time. Um, that they were not expecting. So please, if people reach out to me, I would love that. Um, one of a few ways, probably one of the best ways is just to like send it through Ben's email, any questions, which is linemanb at hotmail.com. So that's an email that does not get as much traffic as my individual one. Sure. So um, they can send it through that. It would be totally appropriate and fine if somebody wanted to reach out to me on Facebook as well. So I'm there. And um, that's probably the best way. Lineman, lineman B, just as you would expect, L-I-N-E-M-A-N-B at Hotmail, which by the way, the fact that it's at Hotmail means it's old It's old and it's memorable, you know, because like at Gmail is just noise at this point, but Hotmail is when you know. So Lineman B at Hotmail or Aaron Lineman on Facebook, Mm -hmm. uh, feel free to reach out. I'm sure they would be a great resource to anybody. And thanks, Aaron, again for taking the time and we will talk to you later. Thanks everyone for listening.